This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. And welcome to episode 54 of the Three Lions podcast. My name's Russell Osborne. I've come thick and fast recently. I don't think, not since the World Cup last year, have I put out so many in quick succession. Anyway, thank you for your continued support. And we're still here in Portugal. The weather, absolutely glorious. Sadly, we're going back to Guimarães this time, not Porto. We're playing Switzerland in the third and fourth place in the Nations League. Some would say a pointless match. I think, from the impression I get, many are sacking it off, preferring to watch it in the bars. Not wanting to go through the pre-match entrance rigmarole that I wasn't aware of in the uh, the previous podcast. Where it seems the Portuguese police were a little heavy-handed with the batons, to say the least. Uh, and plus the scenes outside the train station for trains heading back to Porto is probably something people don't want to experience. Although the, it was probably made a little worse by the fact that it was chucking with rain. I've spoken with people that they were still waiting for trains at about half past three in the morning. And since we last spoke, I've been down into Porto. We've wandered around. We've sampled the local port. Met up with some old friends. We actually stumbled upon a Portugal Legends five-a-side match outside one of the squares. Deco, Figo, Postiga uh, against a team that featured the likes of Van Hoydonk and Henrik Larsson. Well, hopefully the rain will hold off today. My ticket has come through on the UEFA app. So England shirt on, pile into the higher van and off we go. inside the ground and the same ticketing procedure is used using the app this time though I was helping out a fellow England fan who didn't have a smartphone he's going for his paper ticket previously a friend of his had transferred the ticket to me and then we were meeting him just outside the ground where we were going to arrange to get through together we had to go and get him a paper ticket from one of the porter cabins that are branded up as ticketing offices. And it took us 20 minutes to print off one ticket. I had to hand over my phone, had to hand over my driving license for ID. They couldn't print me off a ticket, uh, but they could print off one for him. This just seems a very strange situation that's in place here. I think in the future, this is going to be the way things are going to go. People are just going to have to get used to it. But at the moment, it's a, uh, it's got its teething problems, and it needs to be, this needs to be ironed out. I'm not sure if a, uh, a tournament like this is the right way to be doing it. Perhaps a, maybe a club side should be trialling it on a 
season by season basis maybe a couple of clubs around the world one in the Premier League maybe one in the Bundesliga Serie A etc all the big sides maybe one club could trial one of these mobile tickets um, before it's implemented but anyway we got in eventually uh, large queues outside the stadium here in Guamares uh, thankfully no I haven't seen any trouble uh, into the ground I'm sitting lower tier this time um, alongside some friends great view and the Swiss are in the corner where the Dutch were the other day going to hope that we can have a uh, have a good game today I come third Portuguese Villa and you now join us at Valencia Airport where we wait for our connecting flights to take us to respective homes. So England finished the Nations League campaign finally finishing third after drawing 0-0 of Switzerland and frankly a game that won't live long in the memories. Let's just go through that starting 11. Pickford, Rose, Alexander-Arnold, Gomez, Maguire, Dyer, Delph, Lingard, Ali, Kane, and Sterling. And as before, I'm joined once again by CJ and Dan. CJ. Hello. Dan. How you doing? That's right. Good, thank you. Where do we start with, with yesterday? To me, personally, it was like a uh, it was like pre-season game in the sunshine, really, wasn't it? It was. They were on the beach, I think both teams were. It reminded me a lot of the, um, the game in uh, Dublin a few years ago, where... Uh, I don't think either team were bothered about being there for that one. This one may be a little bit more intense, I suppose. If intense is the right word. It was still a bit... It was a bit dull, especially in that first half. And it had nil-nil after 120 minutes written all over it, really, didn't it? Pretty much. And I'm going to throw in the Algeria game in, in the World Cup 2010 as well. Dan, any... To be honest, although it was dull, it wasn't... I still stick to the point that we should have won that game in 90 minutes probably and if not in 90 minutes in 120 really we created enough chances just didn't get the rub of the green it's just one of them games where you just weren't going to get the rub of the unless you did what Callum Wilson did and pulled someone back or whatever he did and to make sure you got the goal I don't think anyone was going to score yesterday you see then they had two, a couple of one-on-ones where they seemed to somehow make a mistake and the wrong player hit the ball it was just neither team were really focused on it I don't I mean, the word focus probably isn't the right word to use but Neither team really wanted it enough to go out and take the game away from the other, really. Oh, well, we were there. <laughs> we, we were there. Along with, um, I don't know what's the official attendance, was that 15,000? There was more there, more there than I think maybe anticipated. And just a word on Sweden, uh, Sweden, Switzerland. I think they could have been dangerous if they'd have known how to pull the trigger. They had a few opportunities, but just couldn't finish, really, which reminded me of the friendly, really, up at Leicester. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, to be honest, it did resemble that game quite a bit, really. Um, I said on the previous pod that 
we were kind of in first gear in that one and they weren't necessarily in top gear uh, but we could see, clearly see we were better than them and we, we rounded out a 1-0 win as Dan's already mentioned <laughs> if you really think about it we had opportunities hit the post what, four times? Post pretty much Harry Kane, yeah five yeah. minutes hit the top of the crossbar didn't he? It was a brilliant save. Didn't, didn't realise, but keeper got a touch on that. And the, the other one which hit the post off the, one of their defenders. Another brilliant save. Then you had the double, just unbelievable double save as well towards the end. It was an extra time, wasn't it? Yeah. When he made that save from uh, Ali's header and then the Sterling rebound. Yeah. So, you look at it on a different day, we probably would have won it in 90 minutes, and if not in, in 120, but did it, does it really matter, I suppose? Probably not, so. Denied again by VAR, wasn't it? You mentioned Callum Wilson. Did you know the, the Portugal-Holland game was the only game in these four games that I don't think had a uh, yeah. had a VAR issue? I think it's going to be something that, that's going to have to be... Yeah. He'd have a big sigh of relief there from Dan. To be honest, it's one of those, isn't it? Like, I think as a modern football fan, you can kind of understand it. Like, the, key, the key difference was like, about Granada being, well, Granada being with us... When that decision was happening, he, he sort of struggled to understand what was going on, didn't he? The, the logic behind it. He's got to accept it, it's going to happen. You've got to move with the time and see I do think, I've been saying it all week, and it's probably getting annoying with some people listening to me, there has to be like an umpire, like in cricket, an umpire's call type thing where the referee still has some credibility because if it's so close, say for example, the linesman should flag if he thinks something's offside. And if he has flagged it and it's um, within 10 centimetres offside, then it's still offside. But if he hasn't flagged, there has to be like a there has to be a grey area with it because otherwise it's it's all a matter of opinion. Some rest would give that foul that Callum Wilson get, some wouldn't. So I don't, I don't know. It's just it's just something we're gonna, all going to get used to. And it could take a little bit of the, uh, the sting out of situations in football. Right? You won't celebrate goals as much anymore because you're only looking straight to the, the big screen saying, "Oh, I wonder if it's." I wonder if it's offside or I wonder if it's a foul. One thing on VAR is it did cross my mind. There's been a lot of people complaining about it. But how many times a season do we set, do we start going mental, celebrating goals, and then look over and the linesman flags up? The linesman's flag is up. It's a similar scenario, I guess. Similar sort of scenario, but it just as you as you said on the previous pod, Bruce, it just takes so long. And it, I said it throughout the World Cup that when we were watching games of the Fan Fest and whatever. The frustrating thing for me is the refs are sat there in their kits in the TV studio. They might even have boots on. I don't know. But you're sat going there. down the John Terry route here, aren't you? Yeah. They're sat there. They have to. They have to wear the full kit, and they're sat there. And you just think they're fully qualified referees. One of them, I think, one of them I remember in particular, he'd refereed the game the day before. Like he'd actually been a referee the day before. So I'm just thinking, and the, the offside one, they run the line. A couple of days before in a different game. So I just thought, well, you've got to look at that. You've got to think, well, hang on a minute. Why can't those referees make the decision? If they buzz into the, the referee's ear on the field, obviously you've got to have, have respect for him, but why does that referee need to go off and look at the telly? You know, he, he wanders off. Like, it could maybe a minute, two minutes to wander off from one side, one side of the pitch to the because generally it's going to be in the penalty areas. So you can't get much further away from the screen than that. Takes this quick stroll, stroll over, and has a, has a quick stroll back. Gives his decision. He probably, you could probably, and then he probably watches the watches the decision maybe, well the the event maybe two or three times. And you think that's taken a minute, two minutes. Why can't they just watch that in the studio? And that that's some that. That's the main thing I would have, really. 
I would, I would just remove, I would re- remove that aspect of it, and then they can tell the referee, yeah, you made the right decision. That's the, you know, that's it. In cricket, they don't, they don't get the um, the umpire, the on-field umpire to look, do they? They, they get, they get the um, the guy in the box to do it. So why do they have to do it in football? Don't know. It's going to be one of those things. I guess we're going to see, as Dan said, ironed out going forward. Extra time came, extra time went, penalties. I mean, I know it's the Nations League third, fourth, most penalties. <laughs> How did you feel, really? Um, I don't know, really. I can't compare it to the quarter-final in Russia because that was a totally different thing. But I suppose there's still nerves because you don't want to... The thing for me is I didn't want to get up this morning and read all this rubbish in the tabloids saying, oh, even the ball again in the penalty shootout and... I got nervous when Pickford stood up because it wasn't the fact that he was a keeper it was the fact that he gave it it looked like Sommer had sort of I said to him really? and Pickford was giving it the head shake you know he had that big smile yeah that smile a real cheeky smile and you thought if you miss this this could really this this, this could ruin you you know the confidence aspect of it oh I fancy our young lads to, to take penalties they don't know they've got any fear of the older generation, did you know the Gerard, the Lampard, the Southgates, the Southgates of the world? Yeah, but he's right, don't he? You know, there's, there's less expectation, maybe now. I don't know. That'll all build up because we'll probably win about four now on the bounce, and then we'll get to a world. It's the Euros next year, and uh, we're two on the bounce now. So we, the Euros next year, we'll probably miss one, and then that'll be the whole uh, saga starting again, won't it? I mean, they were they were pretty strong penalties all, all throughout. Um, Maguire hit one, Barkley, Sancho, Sterling, as you say, Pickford, uh, Dyer hit one. Pickford stood there to me in a, uh, a Ronaldo stance, and he put his legs apart. He almost hitched his shorts up and showed his thighs, didn't he? And then Dyer Dyer scored this, and then and then Pickford saved it. I mean, he made a name for himself. Score one, save one, didn't he? It was definitely a goalkeeper's game yesterday. I thought Pickford. He was solid, made a few catches and what have you, but pulled off a decent save to his right, didn't he? Good height for him, but still a decent save. Sommer down the other end was man of the match by a country mile, I thought. He was absolutely brilliant. Save after save after save. Penalties, it was always going to go to penalties when you've got keepers playing like that and the, the outfield, the, the 20 outfielders playing like they were as well. I think I think it was the right decision for Pickford to take one. At the end of the day, Pickford, there's less pressure on him, really, to take it. It's the third-place playoff in the Nations League. We obviously want to win that. If there's ever a time to get him to take it, it's then. Because if, ta- if you would have got, I don't know, one of the young lads, got Trent to take that penalty or something, for example, and he missed it, then he'll remember that for the rest of his life. He'll remember that. And the media won't let him forget it. Other play, other teams. If he if he comes and takes one next year in the final when we play in the Euros final at Wembley, if he gets to take one, then the, the, the goalkeeper will be reminding him of that miss. Yeah. So I think it is the right decision to let to let Pickford take it. It increased his confidence. If he would have missed it, he's a goalkeeper. It doesn't really, you know, he's, he's not expected to score. But he didn't half well yet, did he? He did. Brilliant penalty. I think there was probably only one of, of all of, of all the penalties that was taken. I think even the one that Pickford saved was good. I think the only hit. The only one, I think it was Sancho's, that the keeper just about got a hand to. And I think maybe that one could have been to it struck a bit better. But every penalty from both teams, I think, was struck quite well. So. Well, that's it for the Nations League now. Portugal won it. I mean, it's obviously a tournament that's pretty much here to stay. 
I think it's, it was always going to have a few teething problems, but I think there's a couple of things, me personally, that they need to do going forward. One of them, extra time. They've got an, an opportunity here. Just scrap it. Go straight to penalties if you've got a draw. Personally, I think, for me, straight to pens. Particularly, it sounds really... They don't need to do something, but they could do this, but simply for the third-place playoff, you know. Even though they just said third-place playoff is... 90 minutes followed by penalties in this physical draw. There was no need to have the extra time period yesterday, really. You could see Switzerland at the end of the 90s. They, they, were, they were as good as we were when the VAR and holding go in. Just didn't get <laughs> the extra half. They were absolutely out. You got like Fabian Shaw at the back, and you had, they, could, they could barely even kick a ball in the 120. They looked absolutely exhausted. I don't know, it's something they don't use their TV problems, but they, they'll get ironed out. They will. And the other one, I think, I, I personally, I think the opening game possibly be on the same day as the as the other game. In this case, we could have played in the afternoon. Portugal played in the uh, in the evening, but I don't know. Maybe the host city might have thought maybe not. Might have been a bit of an inconvenience. Anything else that you'd want to change? I think. I'd, well, what I'd like to see is maybe. Well, firstly, ditch the third place game. Ditch that. But then obviously we're only coming out potentially for one game so mm. why not put it as lot the top why not have why not have six teams out here they each two groups of three two groups of three like the group like the groups originally two groups of three I don't know how they'd rank them I don't know but what they could effectively have is everyone's guaranteed two games you'd have you'd have more of a tournament feel because you've got You've got more sets of fans all coming in, and that's that's one of the best things about it for me. Mm. The early rounds of the World Cup were brilliant because you had well over 100 countries, and a third of them were all still playing in it. You know, that's something big for me. That was, and then effectively you you play your two games in the group. You don't have semi-finals. Top top team from each group goes through, and then, and they have a final. That's it. So you still get your two games and one. You know, two teams get a bonus. Yeah. yeah, there you go. You take that on board, and uh, maybe that will happen the next time round. Love Portugal. The organisation, yeah. the travel. Wednesday night, getting on the metro at the Estadio Drago for the um, Portugal Switzerland game. Absolute nightmare on the metro. That was in Porto. Mm. It was it was worse than that probably for the people that, that you know got on the train after after our game. We were lucky because we, we had a couple of cars, but for the people that were getting on that you know that train, that dedicated train after the game, absolute nightmare. You've seen some horror stories. People, I mean, there's people that were quite close at, at the start, to the length of the queue, and they just went to a bar because they they knew they weren't going to get on any of the trains, even though they were probably maybe a fifth of the way along the queue. Mm. So that's there was just not enough capacity it probably would have been better off just not doing them in the first place and just trying to get people to stay in Guimaraes maybe overnight or people could make plans so they have hire cars or whatever I don't know but that's something that needs to have been that's the difference where you've got locals who will go to a Porto game living in Porto they'll probably walk in or know the area when you've got two sets of nations but you haven't got a clue where to go just the easiest thing is to jump on the uh, the metro and unfortunately there's a massive long queue there the newer one was everywhere we seem to go there's a bit of a bad rep with the police but I actually thought don't get me wrong I wasn't in the centre when it was all Harry Maguire's heads massive and all the songs and the flares later on and I wasn't and I'm not going to say I was but from what I seen, I thought the police were quite helpful. From from other nations we've been to, you got to, you know we've been to Seville where there was a bit of trouble with the police. Even Slovakia, there was a bit of TV issues with the police. 
major yeah. issue with the police in Slovakia. Well, France, France. I mean, it, I, I remember in France, in, in Lille, talking to one of our spotters, one of one of the police spotters over there, that they had to stop the the French police firing tear gas at the Russian vans. So that says everything about foreign police, doesn't it? Well, you know, when you've got our police spotters, mm. our constables that are over there, and they're stopping rival fans getting tear, tear gas, they don't because they say, look, they're not doing anything wrong. I'm at, I'm I don't at. think they were that bad. Here. No, I think they were all right. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. See, people be silly and there's a few stories come out, but I think if you went, if, if this was in Barcelona this weekend, and you had all those England fans down by the, uh, down, the, the, down the river, there. yeah, and all Harry Maguire's heads massive and flaring all night and that, you'd have had a lot bigger issues with the Spanish police than you do with the, the Portuguese police. And I'd say that's a fact, you would have. Because they don't know how, it seemed like that either our advisor, our advisor had been listened to into what would happen or they, that's just saying that they're just used to it I don't know but they were definitely look like it. There, was, there was no major issues you know there obviously was some little issues but other than that I thought they were pretty good to be honest and there was a nice nice touch at the end after the Gomara's game where I saw a lot of the locals all was on social media lined yeah. the streets and applauded the England fans walking home or going towards yeah, the cars thank Polymore about the you know he was the the Guimeres locals are fearing for their lives and they've been told they reckon on Thursday that they were all told to not go out on the streets and all the schools were closed and all this so that was after all that so they weren't that scared yesterday anyway so I don't know about that well that pretty much rounds us up here in Portugal or, or in Spain as we are in the moment so I say thanks to CJ and Dan and Hannah and and Paul and Ray, everyone who I've been with on this uh, trip, been uh, been excellent. Really enjoyed it. Thank you very much for inviting me along. And uh, we'll just round it up saying that well, the next game will be we'll probably meet up with Bulgaria at home in September. Uh, so looking forward to that one. We'll just also mention that the Lionesses they won two one in their opening World Cup game yesterday against Scotland. Nikita Paris and Ellen White were the goal scorers there. We'll speak with Rich Laverty at some stage soon and touch base on where he is in France but in the meantime cheers for listening and uh, yeah you know where to find us on social media just give us a few thumbs up give us a like tell your friends and in the meantime I'll see you again cheers